Oh, hello, Instagram fam. Hi, hi, hi. Um, hey, so it's me, Kate Lumpkin. It has been a hot minute since I have done office hours, um, but I'm here and hey, how are you? Um, and I'm so excited to be back and do some office hours this week. So, uh, you know, it's six o'clock, it's Sunday, um, and this is when I've traditionally done office hours, so we're gonna jump right back in. For those of you who haven't done office hours with me before, um, basically this is a time where I am live for about an hour and I take your questions on any and everything having to do with um, entertainment, with the industry, with theater, with whatever your heart needs to ask questions about. Um, and I always say, take my advice with a grain of salt, right? Either it is uh, resonating with you or it's not. I am not the end all be all. I don't have all the answers in this life, but I am here and I am a free resource. So if there is a question that you have, please, please, please feel free to put it in the comments below. Um, I would love to answer your questions and um, hopefully make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's dive right in. Some of you guys have already given me questions ahead of time. Um, and if you can't stick around for the entirety of this office hours, it will become a podcast tomorrow. You can find it on iTunes. Um, so if you just search for office hours with Kate Lumpkin, you can find this episode tomorrow uh, as a podcast. And you can also find about 30 previous episodes in case you haven't listened yet. So let's just dive right in. Um, okay, so I just saw a question. Let's see. It says, biggest tip to stop procrastinating. Okay, that is a question I get all the time. Um, how do I find the drive and the energy to do the work? Um, as my friend Robert always says, uh, the work works when you do the work. So how do we stop procrastinating? This is something that if I'm gonna be really honest with you guys, um, I am not always great at not procrastinating. I especially used to be really terrible at it and I used to put everything off until the last minute. And then what made me stop procrastinating is I realized how many people it hurts when you procrastinate. So as I have owned my own business and I have um, really started trying to meet deadlines and trying to have lots of people work with me and for me and all the things, um, when you procrastinate, there is a chain of people who are in pain when they don't have the things that they need. So when someone asks for something on a deadline, that's like the last possible minute that that thing can be due. And there are usually like 15 other things lining up behind that or ahead of that that um, make it really important. And so I think when I realized that I was not consciously hurting people when I wasn't meeting deadlines or putting stuff off. Um, it made me really want to up my game and get stuff done ahead of time, early, well, you know, all of those things. Um, because it's not just about us. That's the thing I think we need to keep remembering when it comes to doing the work. It's never really just about you. There are so many other people who are either a part of your project or a part of your education or a part of your life, a part of your uh, family, your friends. There are people that are depending on you to better yourself, are depending on you to meet deadlines, are depending on you to educate yourself, whatever is happening, whatever deadline you're trying to meet. And when you put it off and put it off and put it off, you are stopping your growth, you are stopping your ability to take in information, um, and you are stopping the ability of lots of other people who need you to meet your deadline. So I think the best way to make yourself stop procrastinating is 
A, make a plan and stick to it, the hardest thing in the world to do. And B, just remember that it's literally nine times out of 10 actually not about you. And it's about other people needing to meet the next deadline and the deadline after that. Um, And there is a chain reaction of trying to get things done. And the most frustrating thing is when you work on a team and other people aren't meeting their deadlines, what you have to remember is that one person who's not meeting their deadline on the team is making everybody else on the team look bad. And that is infuriating. It's really frustrating. So a lot of my, my people who are a part of this conversation right now are either people that I work with or students that I work with. And we all have to work together as a team. And when you're not meeting your deadlines, when you are procrastinating, when you are putting stuff way off, when it could be done way sooner, you are making other people in your team look less than or not letting them achieve what they need to be achieving in their work. So that's the thing that I always think about when I would just rather be laying on the couch and not working. Um, I think, who am I hurting in some way by not getting this done? And again, not hurting like I'm emotionally trying to like put them down or I'm physically assaulting them, but hurting in a way that maybe they could be doing something more if they had the information that they requested from me or if I had finished this project or you know if I had finished my piece of the project. So I think just remembering it's not about you is usually the best way to get me off of my couch. But sometimes also just honor the fact that sometimes we need rest and if your brain is telling you like, oh God, I just wish I wasn't doing this, it's also okay to take the night and not do it as long as If somebody is depending on you for something, you let them know when they will be receiving it and then you meet that new deadline. It's just so important and it's such a great skill to start young, as young as possible and carry into your professional life because people deserve to know when they are going to get what they have asked for. They also deserve to know when you are changing a deadline um, and that is vital information. If you're procrastinating about sending an email about changing a deadline, do not procrastinate. Let someone know. That's what I have to say about that. Okay, I hope that was helpful. I've got lots of other questions pouring in, so I just want to make sure that I um, see them all. Okay, so Amanda, hey girl, hey Amanda. Um, She says, if you've hit actor's block, what's a good way to slowly get back on track? Um, I'm not quite sure I know what actor's block is. Um, I know what writer's block is, and I'm assuming you're talking about something similar when um, you just... Actually, Amanda, I want you to very specifically tell me what your definition of actor's block is. So get in the comments and tell me what you mean by that, because I want to answer the question truthfully to you and not what I'm assuming you're asking, because assumptions... It's just worthless. Waste of time. All right, let's see. Um, What is your advice to when the feedback you're getting in classes and workshops is, great, keep it up and don't change anything, but you aren't seeing actual results, especially in the realm of representation? Okay, great. So this is so interesting. I just had this conversation with uh, one of my coaching clients recently where they keep going into meetings with people, um, with agents or with casting directors or whatever, and they feel like they're getting really positive feedback. People are saying great things. People are saying specific things to them, but they're also not not getting more appointments or they're not being asked to be represented. And I think, you know, the first thing I want to say is I'm not in these rooms, right? I'm not in this room with you specifically. So I can't actually look at you and say like, okay, maybe we need to work on this, this, and this, right? Um, So, you know, of course, everything I'm saying, take it with a grain of salt. But what I want everyone who is, you know, doing these meetings and meeting with people and building relationships is to remember that all of this is in fact relationship building and relationships do not happen overnight. So, um, well, sometimes they, 
Sometimes they do, but it's very, very, very rare. Um, and they have to start somewhere. So I think the thing to remember is not everything is gonna happen lickety-split, but that doesn't mean that you aren't being seen and understood. For example, I met someone once. Um, it was not like in a class setting. I can't remember where I met them. Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> I actually do remember. I met them um, at like a, an industry event. It was like a meeting. It was like a meetup. Um, and I met them and I was like, wow, this person's really cool. This person has a really cool energy. This person is really great. And I went home and I did the casting director thing where I stalked them on the internet and I was looking at videos and I was looking at, you know, their resume and their website and all the stuff that you need to have. Um, and they did. And I was like, wow, this person is really cool. I'm not working on a project right now that they're right for, but the second that I am, I'm going to call them in. And this person was like a thwacker and a whacker and was like, you know, just like the coolest dancer, had a really interesting vibe, a really interesting look. And I I wasn't working on anything right then that was perfect for them. But then I worked on this project called Cleopatra, the Cleopatra Experience. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the gig. This is the show. And that was like four months later. And then I called this person in. So you have to remember that, um, if you're getting positive feedback and it's specific and it's not just kind of like that, oh, that was great, kind of a wash feedback, but it's it's genuine, you feel like you've made a relationship, then you have to give things time to marinate. And I know that's the most frustrating thing about any industry. Like I think as inter people in, in entertainment think that, you know, um, we are the most special industry and we are the most special humans, I think. But every single industry it takes time to marinate so the things that you know i would make sure that we're doing are if there if um follow-up information was provided if contact information or the best way to reach someone was provided for you um make sure that we're you know doing that we're reaching out especially if something has changed if you do get representation or you know if you're working on a show and you would like to invite someone to come see it um making sure that you're doing that kind of follow-up with people um but you know I, it's so tricky. The other thing to remember is, especially with agents and managers, and again, I'm not an agent or a manager, so I can't actually speak for them, but I have to imagine that even if they do like you and they do like your work, um, if they don't have room in their, you know, on their roster for you at this moment in time, no matter how much they enjoy you, it's not, uh, it's, it's not up to them in some way, shape, or form. So it just has to be a lot about making sure we're continuing to go into these rooms, making sure we're being as prepared as possible, making sure that we're doing, you know, the consistent work that we can and just honoring and understanding that timing, you know, the old tried and true trope of timing is everything is true and also allowing the time to happen, allowing the time to marinate. Um, I know we want things bigger, better, best, and we want it faster and more furiously. Um, but at some point we can't control the narrative of our timeline. And that is the thing that I continue to work on all the time because I'm like, huh, why am I not working on this project and this project and this project? Why don't I not, I not have all of these shows in all of these places? And I just have to remind myself over and over and over again, like I am not in control of the timeline of my narrative. I am doing my work. I am doing the best that I can. I'm trying to put myself out there consistently. I'm doing all the steps I can, but the timeline is its own and I can't control how quickly or slowly it moves. So I hope that was helpful. I also just would really encourage you to sit down and evaluate everything that's happening in that room. Make sure that you feel like you're putting your best foot forward always. Make sure that you're being a human and honoring the humanity of the space. Making sure that we're connecting to other people. Um, and 
making sure that you're doing good follow-up. I know you probably are. I'm sure you probably are. But I just want to make sure that I said those things. Um, okay. What are some good songs to put in your book? Okay. This question is very general. Um, and I think the reality for this question, I talk about this a lot, is, you know, just make sure that it's representative of who you are. Make sure it's prepared. Um, I would rather hear a song that I've heard 8,000 times, um, but done completely truthfully by an actor. There are certain songs that make total sense for people and they think they can't do it because it's overdone material. Um, and the reality is I'd rather see someone sing something that's traditionally overdone but done in a way that is completely unique to them and truthful in their body, in their storytelling, in their point of view. Um, so I can't tell you exactly what to put in your book because I don't know your entire story and, and all of the things. Um, but I hope whatever you are putting in your book is uh, representative of your point of view and your worldview and not trying to kind of slot yourself into something that you think the people at the table table are wanting to hear because um, the reality is we don't know what we want to hear <laughs> we want it to be truthful and authentic to who you are and live somewhat in the world of whatever we're working on um, so it helps us understand how you would fit into the puzzle that we're trying to create um, but just make sure that no matter what you're singing it feels truthful to you and that it is prepared be prepared um okay great amanda is back and she says my definition of actress block is when you do the work but it doesn't fulfill you or make you feel accomplished for example sometimes when i perform i feel like i can't really connect to my work okay that's actually a great question and i'm super glad that i asked what your definition of actress block was because it wasn't what i thought it was um so yeah i mean uh, this is something that i think is universal and you know i'm not I'm not currently an actor, um, so I don't deal with actor's block on a daily basis, but I do deal with um, like a creativity block for me and what I do and who I am. And so there are lots of times where I feel like I can't fully connect to my work. I have these moments where I kind of look around and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what even is this? What are we doing here? Um, and I think the only way that I have found to be able to work through my version of actor's block is, uh, and which I would call creativity block, is just to make sure that I have strategically planned ways to um, push my creativity, to push my worldview, to push my perspective, to get myself out of my own way. I think the number one thing that I see all the time is people in every profession, but especially in ours. We are, a lot of us are hyper analytical. We like to break things down. We like to get in our heads and we get in our own way. And I think when we get to that hyper analytical place, we cut off the emotion, we cut off the feeling, we cut off the ability to connect to our creativity because we've become so analytical about it and so judgmental about it that we cut off our ability to connect. And so I would recommend uh, that if you feel like you're in that position, if you're in that place, which is very easy to get into, by the way, I literally logged into Instagram. I went to the Broadway.com Instagram because of course I did um, and there were pictures of Hercules in the park and I looked at all the comments and the comments were so inherently negative they were so negative about two images they were saying just all these things about the costumes and uh, all of this stuff and I just about lost my mind I about lost my mind I thought how devastating that you know two pictures 
had 53 comments under it in like 10 minutes that were all tearing this piece of art down. This beautiful work of community-based art, right? It was a public works production that was a mixture of just incredible local community-based artists working together with professionals to create something magical that's only lasting a week in Central Park. And all people were saying when they were just cutting it down. They were just completely cutting down the fact that Meg was wearing purple jeans. And I thought, this is why we get in our own way. This is why we get in our heads. There is a place, I truly believe, for cultural conversation and for pushing our boundaries and for challenging artists who are creating what they um, are working on. And then there's just noise. Um, and a lot of that felt like noise. And so I think we see these things over and over and over again and we get in our own way of our own creativity. I will speak for myself. Sometimes I stop myself from doing something because I think, oh God, what are people going to say about it? Oh God, am I going to get in trouble? Oh goodness, you know, all of these things. Um, and I think that can keep you from connecting to the truth of your work. So Amanda, my love, my recommendation for you is to do something artistic or even just in your life that truly challenges your own way of thinking um, and gets you out of your head. Even if that's something as basic as like trying a really crazy food or, you know, breaking one of your habitual patterns of how you move through the space of your life. Um, get out of your own way so that then maybe you can connect to something different in your own personal life experience that will then allow you to connect more authentically and truthfully to the characters that you're trying to play. Um, the other reality is check in with yourself. Are you tired? Have you been eating well? Have you been exercising? Is there something that's getting in your way physically from allowing you to do your work? And if so, like do something different. You know what I mean? Get more sleep. Go to bed early. Drink a lot more water. Doop, doop, doop. I'm trying. I'm trying. Mm. I'm really trying. Um, you know, something that helps you assess um, and change some of the patterns that might be getting in your way. I think we allow the patterns of our life to get in the way of our creativity a lot. So that's my advice. Um, also, I challenge you to look into different art different stuff than what you're usually listening to, listen to different things, um, try a new class, try to work with a new teacher if you can. There's so many things that will get you out of your ruts, I think, um, but you have to be the one to challenge yourself because ain't nobody else going to do it for you. Nobody is going to be like, hey girl, you look like you're in a rut. You think you should probably take another class or try to work with a different teacher or maybe you need more sleep. No one is going to do that for you except for you. That goes for all of you. So if you find yourself in a creative rut, it's up to you to get to the center of what is causing you to cut yourself off from your creativity and then find a way to challenge that thing. Push that. Push it. Push it real good because if you don't, you're going to get in your own way. And I would hate to see that because there's too many beautiful creative souls on this uh, asking beautiful questions. And I just uh, want to make sure that um, you guys are taking care of yourselves. So, um, oh, you wrote, lately, however, I felt a bit off my game. I can't tap into the characters and mindsets like I did during the summer. I feel like my artistic side has come to a halt and my creativity is almost new. Great. I think that is totally in line with what I suggested that you continue to do. Um, I don't mean great like great uh that that's happening to you but I mean great like uh good I'm glad that it was still in line with what I was saying um how can I tell this creativity to wake up without being rough on myself and other people 
like I said, that's on you, boo. It's on you. You've got to take control, the reins over your own um, realities and, and the things that are happening inside of you, the things that you're cutting off because of this and not this. And you have to step in and you have to take some control over the narrative. You have to take some control over how you're spending your time, who you're spending your time with, and what you are doing to help yourself be more creative. Because the reality is, like I said, nobody's going to do it for you, my love. But I think being able to... Uh, to just honor that and, and speak it into existence like you just did is a huge step. So now that you've admitted that and you know you're in a rut, let's find another thing to do. Okay, next question. Best advice on networking for a new casting assistant. So you are a casting assistant and you're trying to network? Is that the idea? I think that's what you said, so I'm going to just keep rolling with that as the question. If it's different, let me know. Um, I think, you know, when I was a casting assistant, the best way to network you know, for people in casting, a huge part of our job is to make relationships with creative team members. What we're supposed to be doing is learning about all of the actors who are currently in the game um, and trying to make sure we understand who they are, what their work is, um, who they're represented by, kind of like all the details of their life, while also building and making relationships with creative team members, right? So producers, directors, writers, composers, people who might someday need us to help them find artists. So we're kind of that middleman between the creative teams, which we're a part of, don't let anyone tell you you're not, and also the um, people who are the actors who might come in and, and do the work. Um, and I think the number one thing that you can do as a casting assistant when you're jumping into the game is really take the time to network with both, is take the time to get to understand artists and actors as humans, become friends with people, really try to understand and, and learn about artists outside of just the audition room. Who are my peers? Who are these actors? Who are people who are just starting, who are at the same level as I am so we can rise together? Um, that was a huge part of my journey and one of the, the greatest things that I think I did for me when I started as a casting assistant was figuring out like, who are the composers around my age that I'm really interested in? Who are the directors and um, young writers and people who are like my actual age peers, but also where I am in my career peers? And how can I help lift them up? And how can they help lift me up? And then in turn, how can we help lift other actors up uh, and all kind of come up together? And it's really interesting. I was just... Um, actually at this event uh, this past weekend and I was looking around the room and I was like, God, half of us met in a warehouse in Brooklyn years ago um, trying to create art together and here we are now working, you know, at a, at a more elevated level, sometimes still in a warehouse in Brooklyn, it's fine. Um, but, you know, I think the best thing that you can do is put out feelers, use the internet to your advantage, use social media to your advantage. Ask people to be your friend. Ask people if you can work with them. Don't be scared to ask. I think my favorite question that I ask now is like, hi, can we be friends in real life? I ask people this all the time. I look at grown adult people and say like, hey, I enjoy you and I would like to be your friend. Verbalizing that, but also verbalizing it on a professional level outside of friendships and saying things like, hey, I really think that your work is spectacular. I would like to take you out for a beer and talk about your work. Or, hey, I think your work is spectacular and if there's ever anything I can do for you, please do not hesitate to ask. Do not hesitate to, you know, ask and, and, and put whatever number into the universe in terms of payment. Don't be scared to ask to work with me because I'd be really grateful for that, you know, experience. And then also really massage those relationships that you have formed. Um, don't be scared to put yourself out there. Don't be scared to tell people you admire their work. Um, and then if you don't hear back from them, 
reach out again, you know, really try to make those connections. Because especially in the world of casting, so much of what our responsibility is, is um, to be, I said this earlier, but to honor the humanity of the space. And so, so much of our job is to, to be a human and to know people and to know what they're looking for even before they know what they're looking for. Um, and that comes down to making and building those relationships. And in terms of like the best way to network, just ask be consistent, get out there, get out of your house, go to openings if you can, go to events where you see lots of actors are going, go, you know, use Facebook, use Instagram, meet people however you can. It's so important. And don't be that person. If you see somebody and you, you know, here's the thing, especially with creative team members, it's very rare that someone comes up to you and says like, hey, I really admire your work, you know, because lots of times people don't know what you look like. People don't know who you are. Be the person who does that. If you see some, if you see another casting director and you're like, hey, I just want to let you know, I thought your work on Toodle Magoodle, the musical was fantastic. That's going to mean something so much to the person that you're talking to. So that's my thought. I think that networking kind of goes for everybody. That advice kind of goes for everybody, specifically for casting. Find the humanity in the space and connect with humans and just tell people that you want to work with them. It's so important. And that's literally how I have created so many of my relationships was just like, wow, I think this thing that you do is awesome. I would like to be a part of it. If there's any way I can be a part of it, please let me know. Um, And so far, so good, I guess, <laughs> I think. Um, okay, um, what are suggestions for finding mentors or people I can learn from as I prep for college auditions? I don't have a theater group or a drama teacher at the moment and I'm feeling a little lost. Yeah, so I mean, I think this is a really, oh, it's a tricky question and I think it goes for a lot of people, not just people who are going into the college process. How do we find a mentor? How do we find um, people you can learn from? You know, specifically for college, there are a lot of programs out there that can help you with this stuff. I'm actually a part of one called Pre-Screen Prep. That's a part of the Broadway Collective. There are lots of other programs as well as well that can help you with picking ref and helping you with that whole process, coaching you, all of that. And that that takes a quick Google search. But if you're really looking for like a mentor, a one-on-one person, um, I suggest that if there is someone that you look up to, someone that you really respect, um, reach out, let them know. Be specific. This is what I always say when someone asks, how do I ask for a mentor? How do I ask someone to be my mentor? Part of your job is to lay out and establish the rules of what you need in the relationship. Because if you're asking someone to be a mentor, what you're really doing is saying, hey, for free, will you give me all of the information that you charge other people for and that has taken years and years and years to acquire? And so if that's what you're doing, which is what it is, right, you need to be really specific with the why and you need to be really specific about the rules. It's really important. So for example, if you're asking someone to be your mentor, and let's say we're not talking about college if this is just a professional experience. Um, If you're asking someone in the professional world to be their mentor, I would really reach out and say, you know, these are the things that I really value and appreciate about the way you have you know, established your career or the way that you move through this life, the way that you communicate, whatever those things are. I am wondering if, and then you make the ask and make it as specific as possible. So you'd say something like, I'm wondering if we can have a Zoom conference call once a month for 30 minutes to talk through specific questions that I have about 
XYZ, so whatever it's for. Um, or I would like to meet in person if you live in the same city, if that's possible. Or I would like to, whatever the ask is, just make it very, very specific. And here's the thing we have to remember. These people that you're reaching out to, usually it's someone who's done something that's made you admire them, right? So their time, their time is very small. So be prepared that you might not hear back and then you might not ever hear anything or you might hear a no. You might hear a thank you, this is so generous, but I currently don't have time to take on a mentee at this point. Or you might hear a yes. And if you hear a yes, just make sure you uphold your end of the bargain of what you've asked. If you've asked someone to take time out of their month to teach you and work with you, you better be able to be available for that teaching, right? There's nothing worse than someone saying they wanna make something happen and then they don't show up they don't make the time. They're the one who reached out and then it doesn't happen. And I, I'm holding up the mirror to myself. I know I've done that sometimes in my life. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Um, but there's nothing worse than making a big ask, someone saying yes, and then you being the person that doesn't follow through. Um, and I think with college, uh, specifically, as you're prepping for college auditions, if you don't have a theater group or a drama teacher at the moment and you're feeling a little lost, um, there are tons of people who are online who do this, um, who uh, I think might be very willing to talk with you, um, even just once, if that might be helpful. There are lots of coaches, there are lots of people, there are lots of people out there who are willing to connect. So of course, uh, make sure you have permission from your parents, make sure you have, um, you know, permission to reach out to people, make sure that you're doing things in a very smart and intellectual way, um, never giving out private information until, you know, things have come to an agreement. But I think, you know, make sure that you are not stopping yourself from your greatness because you don't have what you need in your hometown. There are lots of resources. There are lots of coaches. There are lots of people who would be willing to help you. Um, and uh, I hope that you find them. And that's the truth you know, for my professional friends as well. If you would like a mentor, make sure you're doing all the things that I just said, but also if you are needing help with coaching and whatnot, there are lots of people out there who are willing to help you. Do not suffer in silence. Ask for help. Um, everybody who's great has a coach. Like this is the thing my mom always said to me when I was younger and I used to be like, ugh, and I was so resentful, but she was always like, Tiger Woods has a coach, right? Everyone on the US gymnastics team has a coach. None of them are complaining. Their coaches are the most, you know, incredible resource and asset to what they do. So just make sure you have somebody in your corner. Make sure you have a coach. Make sure you have somebody that you can ask questions to. It's so important and it's not a weakness. I don't understand why people think working with a coach is a weakness. Um, and there are people in lots of different price ranges. There are people in your life. My friend Ryan and I, years and years ago, when we were both in different lives, um, started this thing that we called Our Time, where we got groups of our friends together to sing in front of each other um, and practice. We we all paid like 10 bucks so that our accompanists could have money and we could cover the rental of the room for, you know, two hours. And we all gave each other feedback on our audition material. Like we didn't have enough money to be hiring, you know, private coaches at that point in our lives, but we were like, hey, we're smart. We all went to school. We can help each other. And so we did that, you know, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, and a lot of us from that group are currently doing awesome work and, and helping people. So just make sure that you're reaching out and asking for help, both professionally and personally, if we need it. There is no shame in the game. There is no shame in saying, I wish I had a better rep and I just don't know this stuff. Um, so reach out and find people. Okay, um, let's see if there are any more questions here. Uh, doop, doop, doop. 
I'm not exactly sure how to word this, but how do you create a good professional relationship with someone who you've had an emotional connection with in the past without digging up old feelings? Wow, that's a really specific question. Um, and really interesting and something that uh, I talk about a lot, but I've never talked about it like this. So I think um, across the board, our industry is super similar to a lot of other industries, but super different in one specific way. And that is, it is very, very tricky to separate our personal experiences of a life from our professional experiences because we all work in very emotionally available spaces. We all are doing really challenging things together. Our bodies are connected a lot of the time when we're dancing or we're doing very physical theater. Um, we spend a lot of our time together and it becomes impossible to separate our friendships from our professional relationships. Um, and I think it gets in the way of a lot of things a lot of things, a lot of showmances happen, and then, oh God, what's going on? A lot of stuff because we just wear our hearts on our sleeves and we spend so much time together. So how do you create a professional professional relationship with someone who you've had an emotional connection to in the past without digging up old feelings? I think first and foremost, we have to remember that um, feelings are real, but also sometimes we get to choose and train our feelings. Um, we are professional actors, so we know that that is real, right? Um, most of the people on this call are professional creatives, professional actors. Um, and so there is some level of control that you have when you go into a relationship. And if you feel like you have actually completed the kind of emotional connection piece of your relationship, which can take time, especially if it was like a romantic relationship, um, it can take real time. And in all honesty, it might never go away. But at some point, if you need to have a professional relationship with someone um, that you have had an emotional relationship with in the past, it comes down to establishing the rules. I can't say this enough. I've now said this twice on the call, but I think the re the call, we're not on a call. Um, the number one thing that I think lets people down in this life is when you don't set other people up for success and you don't set yourself up for success. You must establish the rules. So I think if you can allow yourself the freedom to look at someone and say, hey, we need to have this professional relationship. I'm not gonna sit here and ignore that we don't have a past, but can we establish some, some rules so that we can get through this and do the work that we need to do? Because I value what you bring to this so much that I wanna be able to show up and be safe. Now, here's some things. If someone has been emotionally abusive or if physically abusive or disruptive to your well-being as a human, get out of that space. It is not worth trying, in my opinion, just my opinion, it's not worth trying to establish a professional working relationship with someone when you know that it will be triggering, truly triggering to things that have really impacted your well-being as a human. That's just me. But if if you think that you really can work through it, it just was, it was a bad breakup, it was, um, but it was mutually beneficial or, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is. If you really think that you can be a whole and complete human and artist with that person, but you need to make sure that we don't fall in love with them again or we don't um, mess up whatever, um, 
then I think it's just, it comes down to really establishing the rules of, hey, this is what I can handle in terms of our friendship. This is what I can handle in terms of our time being spent together. I'm more than willing to be in a rehearsal room with you, but we don't need to be talking between um, scenes. Whatever you need to handle for yourself, that is what you need to do. You gotta take care of you first in the space. And also, if you feel like you truly cannot be in the space with someone, it's really important to assess that and be honest with the people who are asking you to be in that space. Um, not to throw anybody under the bus unless it's some sort of true, uh, true, uh, potentially harmful thing, um, but you need to be honest about your well-being as well. Um, but at some point, also, we can can we can take stock of our emotional lives and establish rules. In my in my opinion, um, people like rules. They do. People like knowing when they are um, breaking a rule. People like knowing when they have things. I'm not saying you need to write everything down and have a contract, but I am such a fan of that kind of reality of saying, hey, we established these things. You're breaking this rule. Please walk away. Um, So taking that time I think is really important. Okay. Hey Kate, my name is Tiffany. I'm from Chicago and 26 years old. I've had an interest in the theater and music for a very long time. Where is the best place to start? Is going to school for BFA the way? Um, Okay. So I'm going to give this spiel really quickly because I know we have a mix of students and professionals. A BFA is not the golden ticket to a career. Um, It is the right path for a lot of people, and I strongly suggest going to get a four-year education, whether it's a BFA or not. Um, I strongly suggest taking time, and I also strongly suggest taking a gap year if that's something that's important to you, if you don't think you're ready to jump into a collegiate-level experience yet. Um, But I will say, a BFA is not a golden ticket to Broadway. It is not a guaranteed ticket right onto a Broadway stage. So my thought is if you really know that you want, you need to do the training, you need the growth, you need four years to marinate and become the best artist that you can be, I strongly suggest a BFA program in college. I really do. It is gonna be a really great pathway to you finding and becoming the best artist that you can be, definitely at the start of that journey. Um, However, uh, there are other paths too. There are lots of people who have been very successful um, in all aspects of this career, both you know the business side of the industry and the, um, the acting side of the industry who do not have that degree, who have done other things. Um, I studied theater in college and that was a part of my experience, but I also studied anthropology in college and folklore. Um, and both of those things serve me very, very, very well. So, um, My thought is, to thine own self be true, uh, but a BFA program really is incredible. Um, I highly recommend them. I train a lot of, I work at a lot of BFA programs. I work with a lot of students. I work with a lot of students to help them get into them. I really believe in the programs. Um, I think you need to take stock of where is gonna work best for you, what kind of training you're looking for, and um, the best place to start in terms of thinking about those programs is looking at alumni, looking at alumni that you respect, um, not just like the most shiny, shiny alumni, but also, you know, whose careers do you respect, whose kind of training, whose kind of acting style do you like, um, and figuring out where they trained and what their their lives were. And, um, you know, not that anyone's path is going to be identical, but I think that's a really great way to start personally. Um, okay, let's see. I have felt really mentally drained by my life, and I just now, I'm just not finding any joy in anything. I don't really have time to take a breather how do I find joy in this life and what I'm doing? Oh, friend, this is a really great question. First and foremost, I always say, um, 
if you need to talk to somebody professionally, do it. Uh, mental health uh, is the most important thing. I have talked about this pretty openly. I deal a lot with depression and anxiety and, and PTSD and all the things. Um, and the most important thing that we can do is be really open and vulnerable and honest about what's going on in our head. And if we need to talk to somebody, there are so many resources and so many great ways to talk to people for free, but also to find a regular therapist and someone to talk to. I think it's so important, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your identity is, your, your religion, your background, talk to someone who can help. It is vital work. Um, the other thing though is, if you don't really have time to take a breather and you can't find the joy in what you're doing, then my thought is, what are you filling your time with? Why can't you take a breather? And if you can't find joy in what you're doing, are you spending your time doing stuff that's making you miserable? And the reminder is you are allowed to change your dream anytime in your life. You are allowed to change um, your friends. You are allowed to change pieces of your identity. All of these things are real and true and important. And if you need to do that, you need to do that. So if you're spending your time doing things that are not fulfilling to you or that are fulfilling for a dream that you had years ago or are something that you think you're supposed to want to be doing, don't do it. That's not, that's not the life, yes? Um, there are certain things you need to do. We need to obey laws. We need to go to school. We need to, you know, be good, decent human beings in the space. Yes, all of these are vital. We need to obey kind of social codes and norms um, to get us through the day. But if you are going to a club or if you are hanging out with a group of people or if you're doing something with your time that is making you more emotionally drained but you think you're supposed to be doing it for some sort of dream, don't do it. Dig, dig deep. Figure out how you'd rather be spending your time. What is going to fulfill you? What is going to you know, make your heart better and more full? When you do that, then you'll stop feeling quite so tired. You're, you'll stop feeling like you need a mental break. I don't really believe the statement like, when you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life. Like, I don't actually subscribe to that. I do what I love and I work really hard every day of my life. I don't know what it's like to not be working really hard all the time. In fact, my husband is always like, please take a break. And I'm like, I can't. Um, but I love the work. Work is what fuels me. I love my, my work. Um, and I work every day of my life. So it's taking the time to really figure out how you would rather be spending that time. And also sleep and drink water, please, please, please. And also please talk to a mental professional if you need to. There is no stigma there. It's so important. You have to, have to, have to talk to people. It's vital. Um, okay, how necessary is it to have representation? Um, as I'm aware that I'm really poor at the moment, but I want to audition. Uh, okay, representation is not the end all and be all. Um, it can be super helpful and I am out here to tell you I love my agent and manager friends and people in my life who are helpers. I love my team of helpers, but it's not vital. I see people in almost every session that I do, I see people that do not have um, agents and managers. There are now ways to be able to submit yourself um, for projects that you don't have to have an agent or manager to do that for. Um, you know, online, there are so many ways to make yourself seen, going to open calls, all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's, you know, figuring out how best to make yourself seen, to make sure that you're consistently submitting yourself, make sure your online representation, which you are in charge of, is solid and good and consistent. Um, and 
that's that's the truth. I see people all the time who don't have agents and managers. Um, it's about showing up. It's about finding opportunities to be seen and making sure you're consistently doing them. I have to do this all the time for projects that I want to work on. I have to show up and make sure that I'm seen. I have to make the call. I have to hit send. Um, so, you know, it's not just a thing for actors as well. If you're a fellow creative and you are looking for opportunities, it's on us, right? We got to reach out. We got to make those connections. So um, it is not a necessity to have a professional team, but it is awesome if you do, and I highly recommend them. Um, if someone wants to work with you, amen, bless up, do the thing. Um, okay, let's see. Hi, Kate. I love how you approach all of your work from such a heart-centered place when it comes to people's stories and energies when the superficial element of this business come in. Mm. Oh, I, the first part is a compliment. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, from a, such a heart-centered place when it comes to people's stories and energies when the superficial elements of the business come in. Oh, I don't think it's a question. I think it's just a kindness. Thank you, Wood. I appreciate you. Um, I, it's very easy to be superficial, and I'm not saying I've never been superficial. I certainly have. I think I'm superficial at least three times a day if not more because um, that's humanity right the reality is we have been trained for millennia to see something and make a very quick judgment about it like back in the day it was like wow that woolly mammoth is really big is it going to eat me is it going to trample me can I eat it ha ah, it's scary right this has been a part of our <laughs> woolly mammoth um a part of our uh biological uh, reality um so I think the superficial is something that we all have to deal with. But I think if we all just approach our work a little bit more from a place of understanding the humanity of the space, then we'd all make a lot better work. Um, and I think this country would be in a different place personally. All right. Um, how do you, such as height or vocal range, so many typos? Oh, you were asking a question, Wood. What is the question? I can't see it. Um, okay. Thank you, thank you. Great, are there any of these questions? Here we go. Um, your hair is giving me Carrie Underwood in Sound of Music Live Realness. Bigelow, I can't with you. It's true though, it really is. It's very like, hi on a hill, lonely water. Okay, great. Um, I have a question here, let's see. Um, oh, great. Uh, I don't know if this has been answered already, but how do I pursue musical theater? Oh, okay, here we go. There's a lot of things. I've got so many interests that I want to pursue. What should I do? Meaning that there are a lot of things that I need to do and enjoy, but I'm being pushed around. Okay, so I actually have a really um, good answer for this, I think. At least it's my answer. I don't know if it's good or not. But I think, you know, especially people who I'm going to say are like under, under 50, um, we've been encouraged for a long time to do as many things as possible to branch out and to try new things and to not necessarily stay on one path um, and to experience a lot of things. Or they had the kind of um, upbringing where it was like, pick a path, stay on the path, do the path. Um, and I think both things have very, uh, very meritable, I think that's a word, have merit. Um, both choices can lead to awesome destinies um, and awesome lives. But I encourage people, my thought is pick a realm and try the things within it. So I always say, you know, we have a through line as artists and as people, something that brings out the best in us, something that makes us feel awesome, something that makes us um, become the best humans we can be. For me, that is the world of theater and connection to other people, right? Um, 
but that can look like a lot of things. And at one point in my life, it looked like a very specific path. Um, and I really dug into that. I read every book I could. I went to every summer camp and every program. I went to college for it. I did everything I could for this one dream and this one path. And the second that I allowed myself to start exploring other pieces of that without feeling like a failure, that's when I actually kind of exploded into the best version of myself. So when I'm reading your question and it says, um, there are a lot of things that I need to, enjoy, to do and enjoy, but I'm feeling like I'm pulled in many directions how do I choose my thought is this pick a pick a realm um I like sci-fi uh but pick a realm pick a pick a universe pick a, a style pick a world um and then allow yourself the freedom to explore all the different things within it without fear of feeling like a failure if the thing that you started thinking you wanted is not actually the thing that you want. But allowing yourself to grow and to learn, especially if you're at a place where you can do internships, where you can, um, if you're in school, allowing yourself to take classes outside of just the, the specific path that you're on within your programming. Um, and also really, really, really allowing yourself to see, okay, so this realm is like my happiest place, but what are the things within, within that that are fulfilling me and can they actually be applied to other realms too? Uh, recently, there's this incredible human um, who was working as an agent uh, in the city who realized that he wanted to get out and start working in politics. Um, and I've been following his journey on Facebook, and I'm just so proud of all of the work that he's doing. He made a major life change, moved to Florida, started working in politics because I'm assuming, and I'm not personal great friends with this person, but I'm assuming there were things within our industry that he had learned and were vital and are helping him fight the fight in something else that he's also passionate about. So my thought is it's stressful picking a specific path. It really, really, really is. But allowing yourself to know that that path is there and will serve you and will support you, but also knowing that it's okay to explore the other things and the other people on the path um, without fear that, uh, that that means anything bad about you is the most important thing. I wish I spent a lot of my life out of fear, uh, not making the right decisions for me out of fear that I was going to let somebody else down or let myself down or that I was a failure if I didn't end up being exactly what I thought I was going to be when I was 12 years old. Um, and the reality is the second I started making those decisions for myself and allowed myself to be this thing and this thing and this thing, but they all kind of funnel into one thing. Um, that was, that was a really enlightening moment for me. And the reality that if tomorrow I wake up and I totally decide I want to do something else, that's also a okay. And the only person that uh, has any say in that is me. Um, the only person who has any say in what I get to choose to do, it's me. Um, and if that lets somebody else down, that's on them. Uh, but you've got to pick, you have, you will only be able to help other people and fulfill the things that you want if you are working within kind of a realm that makes you feel full and happy and, and well. So that is how I feel about that. Um, I had another question here. Let's see. Um, for auditions, is it bad to have a more well-known song? I kind of talked about this already, which is if it is something that um, makes you feel awesome and whole and you know you can perform it in a way that um, is is going to serve the purpose that you're trying to tell and the story you're trying to tell, then 
truly, honestly, nine times out of 10, just pick the song that makes you feel that way. Um, there will always be some people who like it at the table and some people who don't. For people who know me, like I live for a Footloose moment. I love Footloose. I don't know why. It just makes me so happy. Um, and there are other people who are going to be like, if I hear Let's Hear It for the Boy one more time, I'm just going to like throw my shoe. Art is subjective, yes? So at the at the end of the day, you've got to pick material that really makes you feel alive, tells a story you want to tell, kind of serves the world that you were trying to explore as a creative entity. Um, and I, the reality is the canon is large, but it's also not infinite. Um, so we're going to hear the same stuff, whether you think it is the most unknown piece or not. Somebody else has it in their book. So make sure you're picking material that serves you is what I have to say about that. Um, let's see. This question here was, um, any new favorite Broadway shows at the moment? Uh, sure. I am obsessed with Town right now. I'm obsessed with Town. I think it is so beautiful and it is the kind of storytelling that really interests me and I think that cast is beautiful. I think Stuart Whitley did a beautiful job creating and curating that group of human beings it's just everything so that's kind of my my jam right now I'm a huge Hades Town fan in fact the coolest thing happened the other day on the subway there was a an older gentleman who had the red flower that they give you at Hades Town he had it in his lapel and I went up to him and I was like I love your flower and he looked at me and he said it's from Hades Town and we had this really beautiful moment so I love that I love New York City and I love I love all of it. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, I have a couple questions here that are questions that I've answered a whole lot. So if there are questions that um, that you've asked that I haven't gotten to yet, please feel free to go back and listen to. I have like 30 plus episodes of Office Hours on iTunes. You can find it um, if you just type in Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin. There's season, there are two seasons of these Q&A these sessions. So a lot of this stuff has been answered and I think it's all pretty much still relevant. Um, if it's from two years ago, give it a grain of salt, you know. Um, but uh, I have one question here. It says, I spent a lot of my life afraid to, uh, it went away. I spent a lot of my life afraid to put myself out there and now I'm trying to pursue a BFA in musical theater, but the transfer audition process is absolutely terrifying. Do you have any advice? I think this is a bigger question than just, um, transferring into a BFA program. I think the reality is, and I talk with people about this a lot, myself most of all in the mirror, um, it's terrifying to admit that you want something. It's terrifying to have to tell other people that you want it. And it is really terrifying to have to fight to get it. And I think a lot of people on this planet know that they want something but are too scared to admit it because that means then they have to tell other people and they have to fight for it. And as an artist, especially as an actor or a creative, if you want to be able to do this, you have to be able to talk about it and then you have to be able to defend why what you're saying um, and defend it not just in words but with skills. And so I think the more you can hone in on the why, why you have to do this and then what you specifically bring to that why, the more you can do that, the easier it's going to be to talk about what it is that you want and the easier it's going to be to defend it. The other thing is we have to work on our skills because when we have those skills and they're right at the tips of our fingertips, right at the tips of our fingertips, they're right on our fingertips, then it becomes a lot easier to show your why. Um, and so I always say when we're fearful of something, it's because we want it. And when we're fearful of something, that is the thing that we need to really do the work on. When we're fearful of something, get the skills. 
really work on the skills, whatever that means. Um, and a lot of times fear looks like a lot of things. It looks like procrastination. It looks like alienation. It looks like, um, you know, putting something off, it all, which is procrastination, that's the same thing. Um, it looks like a lot of things. You have to know how you respond to fear. But at the end of the day, what I really think should happen when you are scared of something, if that means you want it, which most of the time it does, unless it's a true fear response of like, oh God, that person is coming at me with a knife, run. Um, if it's an emotional fear-based thing and you know that means that what it is that you want, then get the skills, work towards the skills to make it so that you have those fundamentals to be able to take the space, own it, and be fearless in the work-based aspects so that the emotional stuff either goes away or it can serve what you're doing. And I think that's true in any profession, in anything, in any aspect of the creative field, but also in any aspect of any field. If you are scared and the fear comes out of a place of want, then the most important thing you can do is acquire the skills to master the fear. Um, and when we do that, more often than not, we start to see that we're getting what we want because we're surrounding ourselves with other people who are acquiring the skills and we're giving ourselves confidence more and more um, to be able to achieve what we want. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. Um, okay, do, 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 let's see. All right, I think I have one last question and then I'm gonna go. When exploring different careers and parts of the theater industry, does the order you go about things matter? I'm thinking specifically about directing, performing, and writing. Um, Wow, that's so specific. Um, and the reality of that is, I think we've seen so many examples of different people's journeys, right? So many examples where someone starts as a writer and they end as a director. Someone starts as um, a, an actor and becomes a director. Someone starts as a director and decides they wanna be an actor. Um, there's so many different paths. I think the reality is, taking a step back to say, what can I do right now? What do I feel the most confident in, confident, confident in that I can put my skills best forward now so that I can start building and acquiring relationships? Um, I love being a casting director. I think it's awesome. I was an actor for a long time. Um, I am also a writer. I, you know, all of these things. I have no idea where I will end up in the path, though I have a lot of ideas of what I want that to look like. But I stopped telling myself I had to do something in a specific order to get there because when I do put that pressure on myself, then um, all of a sudden the white blank page is really, really, really scary and I don't want to do it. Um, when I do tell myself I have to be, you know, this thing first, then this thing, and then this thing, and then that will open the door for this thing, lots of times those doors just don't open there, super slammed shut. So my thought is whatever you have access to right now, whatever you feel most confident in your skills for now, and whatever you have the most connections with now, dig into that. Keep working on the other skills, keep working in the other fields, but I just don't believe, and I don't think we see consistently that there has to be a specific path to go from like writer, director, producer. This industry is not necessarily about a path, honey. It is just about being in the garden and praying for the sun and praying for the rain and digging in your roots and growing with all of your might. Um, so if you know which direction is going to lead you towards the sun right now, then that is where I think 
my flower, you should lean. Um, and that was a gardening metaphor, <laughs> but I think it, it really does apply. So um, I hope that was helpful. And I hope no matter what you're pursuing right now, you really, really, really just push forward and do the work. All right, friends, it's 6.57. I think you're awesome. I'm so grateful you guys joined me today. Um, If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you so much for listening to my voice for an hour. I hope it was entertaining. I hope it was helpful. Um, I'm going to start doing this more regularly. I know I've said that before, but I actually really mean it this time. So check back. I believe I'll be doing this next Sunday, if not the following Sunday at 6 o'clock. If you have questions, you can always send them to me in DMs on Instagram or on Facebook. I'm super accessible. Um, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, And if you liked this and there was other questions that you might have, again, please feel free to find my podcast um, on iTunes. Just look for Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin. You also can find my blog um, on kate-lumpkin.com backslash no marking, or you can just Google no marking with Kate Lumpkin. I've got lots of valuable information there, I think. And if there's anything that you want me to be writing about on that blog, if you have questions or kind of overarching themes, send me a message. Let me know. Also, if there's ever anything I can do for you, please go to my website. Um, There's a contact me box and you can always ask me questions or reach out. I am here. I see you. I value you. I'm so grateful for this time. Thank you for trusting me with your questions. And again, if anything didn't resonate with you, cool, cool. Keep swiping. No big thing. Um, But I think you guys are awesome. And thank you for your vulnerability and for your questions. You guys are wonderful. I will see you next week. Bye.